the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Well, it is so good to see you today, and I'm so excited about what I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks. We're going to do a little exposition from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, but I'm going to do a couple of verses this week and a couple of verses next week, but they're going to tie together. Today is more about how that prayer can actually impact your world and my world, and then next week I'm going to tie that together with how our life can actually influence or impact our world in a very special way. So I'd like you to be a part of both of those series of sermons, and that way you can have them tied together. But today I'd really like to talk a little bit more about prayer and the importance of prayer. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open them up now to Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to have some fun learning about how that our prayer can impact our world. Now, when you hear the word prayer, what do you think of? If you talk to the person on the street, they might think that it's a, a stilted, now I lay me down to sleep speech. Others might feel that you've got to kneel down or lay prostrate on a particular rug and face a direction or something like that. They have all different ideas about prayer. Some thinks it's just nothing more than rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub type stuff. I want you to know that that's really not prayer. Prayer is more than just asking and receiving. Prayer really is building a relationship with the Lord by communicating with Him. And so the key word is communication with the intention of building a relationship. And so prayer is communicating with the Lord. I remember many years ago when I first met Carol. It was in November of 1966. We were in school. Actually, September because we started... Uh, high school and we were in the same class speech and debate we took I took public speaking because I wanted to speak better thinking I might have some kind of a career in public speaking Carol took it because she was so shy and so she thought it might break her from her shyness and so I think it's actually done both because the Lord has opened up more public speaking well in this time of year Carol invited me out to a meeting but I wouldn't have gone to that meeting if I hadn't seen something special in her she really cared for people she was humble she was sweet she was gracious but in a certain sense, she had a degree of purpose-drivenness about her. In other words, she had a goal. She wanted to do something. And it seemed to be wrapped around Christianity, although I didn't know at that time because I wasn't saved. And so after a while, she invited me to a meeting because of her persistence, her sweetness, but also she had two tickets to the arch-rival high school football games and the Miami Orange Bowl at the time. So she said, you go to the game with me, um, and then afterwards we'll go to a youth meeting. Well, it was at that meeting that through her influence, the Holy Spirit made it very clear to me through God's word that it was by faith alone and Christ alone and I became a born-again believer. Well, our relationship really began to take off, not as boyfriend and girlfriend, but we then began to serve the Lord together. Now, to do that, our communication was not lovey-dovey and all that stuff. Our communication was more, uh, do you have enough room in your car for kids or how about in your car so we were taking two separate cards loading them up with kids bringing them to the youth meeting because we wanted those kids to come to know Christ as Savior 
short time after that, we began to, um, well, it was a little bit of, mm, she's really special kind of thing, you know. I don't know if she thought that about me. But our communication began to change a little bit. Well, to make a long story short, after a number of years, we decided that the Lord wanted us to make a life together and a life in ministry together. And so I went from an, uh, a single fella to a young married fella. And I knew that, that my communication with her had to change, and, and it has changed. You know, you start in one level of communication, you go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. In fact, we might use the word intimacy. Now, you might think the word uh, sexual thing when you hear intimacy, but actually intimacy is into me see. And so communication is allowing the other person to into me see. And so you've got to permeate into that relationship, and the other relationship has to open up to all of that. And now we've been married 45 years. Now, I believe our communication has remained very much the same. One, it's often. Second, it's honest with one another. Third, in most cases, it's kind, if you know what I'm saying, you've been married that long. But it has changed a little bit. Two reasons for that is we don't hear as well. Can you imagine what that's like around a house when you don't hear quite as well? And how about the other? We don't remember as well as we did. So our communication is changing, not so much negatively, but we have to be more focused in our communication. Now I'm saying all of that regarding this. We who know Christ as Savior want to build an intimacy with the Lord. We want the Lord to into us see. We want to see into Him. And of course we do that by abiding in His Word and revealing ourselves to the Lord with total honesty and humility. But as we do that, we're going to need to grow in our communication with Him. So today we're going to talk about communicating with the Lord and developing that relationship. But part of our communicating with the Lord is we communicate to the Lord about us in our world and we bring others into that time of communicating with Him. Now, I don't necessarily always mean that we only pray when we're around other people. But when we pray, we might pray with or about other people so that we're taking all of them to the Lord. So I want to talk a little bit about the kind of prayer that impacts my world. And how does it begin? And what does it start with? What does it look like? And then how do we actually move it into praying for others? Now, your world can be a world that would be real general. I know that most of you that have been following the news, whether it's on the internet or whether it's on television or both or other media, you know that there's a horrific amount of stuff going on in the Middle East and in that area, especially against those who are Christian or another belief system than the one that seems to be the most aggressive and oppressive that we've seen ever in our lifetime uh, yet. And so we might now want to begin praying for those people. We want to impact our world. And we can't go there. We can't get there. We can't give enough to help those people. But maybe we need to know how we can impact them through our prayers. We're going to learn a little bit about that today. But then others of you, you know that's out there and it's so uh, hor horrific because you're seeing pictures of beheadings and horrible stuff that they're allowing to kind of seep through into the internet. That you just, I know I've got to pray and I've got to pray for our missionaries, but right now I don't know if I've got a job tomorrow. I've got a visit with an, an, a, a doctor, a physician this week, and I've got a lump where I shouldn't have a lump. And so you're thinking about right here and now in your world. You might have a loved one right now that you know might be close to making a major decision that could destroy or wreck their life. And you say, how can I pray for them? Well, today's message can help you. Whether it's for those who already know Christ as Savior or those that don't. Today I will tell you 
my main direction is going to be for you to have an impact on those, more specifically, who do not know Christ as Savior. I'll give you a little bit of a snapshot of what you can do to have an impact on those who do know Christ, but today more on those who do not know Christ as their Savior. So let's kind of look at some thoughts here that might help you to understand as a general direction in which we're going. To have a healthy relationship with the Lord, we need to be what we call devoted to prayer. That's kind of what I'm talking about today. And I'm going to unpack that word devoted in just a moment, but... I want to raise our consciousness about the idea of praying. So here's my question, and I ask it not to uh, saddle you with guilt, but more to get you to kind of um, engage in what we're saying. Do you really pray as much as you should pray? Do you pray enough? Do you sense that your prayer life is getting deeper, richer, more meaningful than it has been in the past? Do you find that your prayer life oppositely is now gone in a direction that might say, you know, I used to pray a lot more. I used to be engaged in prayer a lot more. I used to be focused with, with the Lord in my prayer, and I, I don't do that. Or, or maybe you're saying, when I go through a crisis, I'm on my knees. When I'm not in a crisis, I throw up a quick little prayer as I'm driving, maybe. I don't know where you are, but today I pray more than anything that we would experience what the Apostle Paul, ministry of the Holy Spirit, would speak to us about praying. And Christ followers, when they pray, I think there's two characteristics. There's many, but for today, there's two characteristics. And one is that when we pray, as a Christ follower, that we will be alert when we pray. And I mean more than just being awake. I'll talk about the word alert, different than devotion, in just a moment. But I wanted you to know that for us to be engaged in a healthy communication with the Lord about others, that it's going to require an alertness. And I'm going to use the term military alertness when we pray. The second is a spirit of thanksgiving. That kind of softens it so we're not just telling God what he's got to do, but there's a humility we come to him, a gratefulness, remembering that whatever we have and whatever can be accomplished is all because of him, and we're grateful for what he can do and will do and has done in our life. So there's a thankfulness that goes on. So today I'd like you to look at the passage, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And let me read it to you. If you have it in front of you, I'm sure it's printed on your your outline there that was provided for you. But let's look at it together. I'm going to read Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through verse 4. And if you have this, you are welcome to read along with me. It goes like this in verse 2. Paul writing to the church at Colossae and to us today by extension. Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And we'll stop there for today. So the idea there is praying, but the idea is also the praying in such a way that it will now bring a reaction in us, a response in us to take that message to others. So what kind of prayer is the kind of prayer that will impact our world? Here's number one. It'll be the kind of prayer that's persistent. There's a persistence about that prayer. And if you will, let's look back at the passage again. Look at verse 2, and it says here, devote yourselves to prayer. I don't know if you know what the word devote means. But basically, it means to be completely aware of what's going on. It means to be consistent. It means to be persevering. It means to be focused. It's kind of a prayer that you don't get wearied. You're devoted to it. I think probably a better way to do that would be give you an earthly illustration. I believe it was last Saturday a week ago. There was an auto race that happened in upstate New York. And there was guys going around the track in a sprint car type uh, experience. 
and a very well-known race car driver bumped an up-and-coming race car driver, and when they bumped on the track, that young guy with his car was spun out. And when he did, that invoked a, a certain degree of anger, and so he jumped out of his car as the other cars were speedily going around the track. And as he jumped out, it seemed that the cars were able to make a circumference around the track that the driver who actually bumped him now ran into him and by all witnesses, as much as possible, actually killed him. And so there was anger that was displayed. There was a little bit of maybe um, a lack of wisdom and maturity to jump out of a car in the middle of a race and jump right on the racetrack and face down the one who bumped you. But here's what they said afterwards. They said that this young man that was in his very early 20s, like some of you are here today, that he started as a little kid wanting to race when he was three and four years old, starting in little cars, and it got a little bit larger and a little bit larger and a little bit larger. He would drive the little cars as a young boy until they ran out of gas, only to fill them up again with gas and then head out again. When everybody else would quit and go home, he would race and race and race and race. He read racing. He thought racing. He talked racing. He drank racing. Everything was about how he could race faster and better. They said at his young age he was a good driver, not a great driver, but a good driver. Now to me, that is going to tell me it's a great illustration of what it means to be devoted to something that you have a passion about. Well, I know we need to have a passion about Christ, but I think it often spills out in our devotion to communicate with Him. And that's going to come through prayer. And so when it talks about being devoted to prayer, it's that complete focus on prayer, that continuing and thinking about eat, drink, and sleep, the aspect of prayer. Now, that doesn't mean we quit our jobs and we let the grass grow and we don't eat. It does mean, though, that our world is capsulated about the idea of being devoted to it. It was interesting because as I did a little word study through this devoted to prayer, that oftentimes it came with two Greek words that are translated into English that means continually devoted to prayer, which means that there's a devotion to prayer that is kind of once in a while, it's a hot button, and then you have the continually devoted to prayer that it defines who you are. So as I took it back to the New Testament, when did it seem to begin? Way before the Holy Spirit came, way before, meaning, you know, a couple months before we might say, there was a group of people that were meeting for a time of prayer. It said that these folks, 120 of them were meeting and they were devoted to prayer. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. The church wasn't started yet. There wasn't a great um, instruction to pray. These people just knew the sign of the times that they needed to pray. Now, in unpacking all of that, they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. They were communicating with God. Probably, in some sense, they knew that this world is desperately in need of Christ the Messiah. He's now gone. What's going to happen? And so they were driven by this need to communicate with God. So I back that up into my own life, and I say to myself, have I filled myself up with so much um, Americanism, which I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's guts and gusto, that I hardly ever think I need God. You think of most everything you read, most of the people think they've done it all by themselves, so we hardly ever see the need for God. And so some of us, it's only through a crisis that the Lord permits to come into our life that we then cry out to God, rather than sensing that every waking moment, it's a crisis. We are in a spiritual war that doesn't ebb and flow. In fact, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So even though it might appear calm right now, Satan has his sights on you to do everything he can to either wreck your life shut your mouth for giving out the gospel, or to muddy your message in some way to keep God from getting all the glory. Well, then I went further in Acts chapter 2 where it says, now the Holy Spirit has come. 3,000 people came to know Christ as Savior. It's reasonable to say that that's when the New Testament church began in Jerusalem. 
And the very next verse, it talks about them being devoted to a few things. And in this short list, in one verse, it ended with saying they were devoted continually to prayer. And so then I look at our own church, and I only ask us, do we individually exude this devotion continually to prayer in our own life? And then as a church corporately, where does it show up where we actually carve time out for prayer, not Bible study, not fellowship, not eating, not ministry, not programs, but just center down on prayer, that we are desperate to communicate with the Lord because we're living in desperate times and we're desperate people. They were devoted to prayer. Then I went further in the study of this devotion to prayer, and you're going to find that this was so much on the heart of the Apostle Paul that he said to the church at Rome in chapter 12 that you need to be devoted to prayer. And here in Colossians, this too is... Be devoted to prayer, continually devoted to prayer. So it moved from, they did it without the Holy Spirit. They certainly did it when the church came together. As the church was beginning, they were devoted to prayer. To all of a sudden now, we have to be told to pray and be devoted to prayer. So by extension, we're much further out, 2,000 years, maybe a little less from all of that. And where are we being devoted to prayer? Now, I'm not beating up on anybody, but sometimes we have to say, we're on this track of apathy, and we need to get off of it because this train is going to destroy us. So I just want to encourage all of us that we need to be devoted to prayer and how much that is by being persistent in it. And it comes and comes and comes and how much it needs to come into our life. It's all around us. If you'll notice in your little outline there, I've given you some ways that you might see what persistent prayer might look like to kind of spell it out for you. Would you look as I just kind of make some comments on it? It means that we're developing an attitude of prayer. And when I talk about an attitude of prayer, it's an attitude of dependency. It's an attitude of communication around the Lord. It's an attitude of recognizing God is everywhere and I need to stay connected to him. So it's an attitude before an action. We walk in the spirit of prayer. So that means wherever we are, it's not just in our head, it becomes our lifestyle. And then take a mental break from our work or school or other activities to spend a moment in prayer. We actually not just um, do it while we're driving or do it while we're doing dishes. We're actually carving out some time that we are going to pray. And I put a moment in prayer. Would to God that it was longer, but at least stopping to pray and not always have to be prompted by some devotional booklet. Prayer always when our minds are not upon some duty. In other words, when we don't have to concentrate. If I was a surgeon, we need to be doing surgery. If I'm working on a a math problem, I can do a math problem. But there are times that my mind doesn't have to be occupied on some duty. Maybe at that time it would be good for us to pray. First of all, to give us wisdom as we enter a duty. And maybe gratefulness because we've completed a duty. Then get up early and pray before daily activities begin. Spend worship time with God in prayer. And make this a continued practice. I think if I asked most people, would you get up earlier to pray? We would say, I am so tired, I can hardly get up in the morning. Maybe the next question ought to be, can you go to bed earlier at night? You know, instead of spending maybe some time with some of the late night talk show people and maybe some of the news people, we would spend more time with God who is designing life and permitting and we want to engage with him in the morning. I'm I'm just getting us to think that we might begin our day with an intimacy with the Lord no matter how hard that is. Now, I don't want to put you under law. I didn't say how long you had to pray. I didn't say where you had to pray and how many days of the week you have to pray. But I'm just casting a vision in front of you. Is there something that we can do that would invoke more of a devotion and a persistency to prayer? And perhaps in the morning, it might be good for us to try that in some special way, no matter how much it really hurts. Um, There's about four mornings a week that I get up at four, and this, this baffles my wife, but I get up at four and I, I 
you know, not a big prayer with the Lord, just, you know, quick little prayer in the morning. And then I exercise. And, um, and it's a good 30, 45 minute weights and jogging and all that kind of stuff exercise. It's hard to do at four in the morning. It's hard to get up to go someplace else and do all of that stuff. It is not easy. In fact, I hate it. It's almost like I'm doing it under all law and obligation. The thing that drives me is that I want my body to be as healthy as it can be because it's the temple. And so I do that. And it's a struggle with me, folks. But it also is a byproduct of that is it really makes me alert for then I arrive here at the office about 5, 5.30 in the morning and then I can have my quiet time with the Lord. And it's not that I don't have a life full of pressure. There's so much going on in my world, my ministry world, our family like you all have, issues that are going on. But I'm telling you that little bit of time that I have in the morning, I try to read 10 pages of scripture and read through the Bible in a year, every year, done it for 45 years to have my time with I'm not great. Do I miss some days? I do. I miss Friday morning. I had so much to do, I didn't get to it. So Saturday morning, I set aside some things I wanted to do. I wanted to wash the car. I got so much bird on it that I got to get it off. Just, but I needed the time in the Word because it's the weekend and it's time to face you and face God. And I wanted to be where I can be. It's a struggle. But that's part of the being the persistence. We have to do it even when we feel like it. We have to do it when we don't feel like it. We have to do it until we do feel like it. And the last is to perhaps pray before going to bed at night. I'm reminded of people like Daniel in the Bible and David in the Bible who often would pray three times a day. Now, I don't think they just prayed those three times. I think they were in that attitude of prayer and communion with the Lord often. But they did carve out sometimes three times a day, and they did that. I wonder if that was something that would cause them to have to shut out the world. Watch this now. Shut out the world, get alone with God, and really pray to the Lord. And when you do that, here's what's not happening. I'm not getting that email written. He's not sharpening his sword. What's happening out there is that you are having to depend upon God to still keep your life together while you have that time with the Lord. If we don't, then we're thinking, we can solve these problems. We've got to get ready. We have to be prepared. We gotta, and so all of us about us so that we can succeed. And I'm not against making lists and having objectives and things that have got to get done. We all have those lists and some of us need to have more, I know. But... It's when we do so much of that, we rely too much on us rather than, Lord, I cast all of this upon you. And maybe, just maybe, that is the reason, the biggest reason that the Lord gave the Old Testament law that Saturday was a Sabbath. You didn't do anything. That means you had to leave stuff undone for the next day. That was demonstrating an opportunity for you to be intimate with the Lord, but also a dependence upon God to take care of the things that you didn't do on Saturday. Maybe it was also helping your health as well. That all being together, that's the persistence in prayer. Carol and I were um, invited along with Pastor Dennis and Vivian to go to a pastor appreciation luncheon from one of the radio stations here in, in Honolulu. And when we were there, they had Greg Smalley speak. He's the son of the other Smalley that's so well known. And he was speaking on developing intimacy with your wife on some very practical levels. And he said, it's important for you to engage with your wife, your mate, four times a day. He said, the first time is basically when you get up in the morning. The second time is when you say goodbye to your mate. The third time is sometime in the middle of the day, text, call, do something to try to engage. The last time is either when you come home, which is the best time, or when you finally go to sleep at night. So at least you have four times. And he says, they have been doing this now, and it has brought great closeness in their relationship when they were connecting with one another, not about, don't forget to bring home some bacon. No, don't forget to bring home the bread. Did you fill the car up with gas? It wasn't all of that. It was, they focused on each other four times during the day. It was short but focused as they did that. It strengthened their relationship. 
So I thought, that's, that's pretty cool. Let's see if Carol and I can do that. So since that luncheon, or that dinner rather, we have been really working on that special engagement in the morning. I'll get up, I'm gone. Carol gets up a little bit later. She calls me when she gets up. We have our morning time of I love you and all of that, and then we move on with life. I believe even after 45 years of marriage, there was an extra layer of icing put on our relationship. Now let me step away from that. That's just humanly. And I'm grateful for that because if, you know, if you're not happy at your home, I don't know how you can be happy in anywhere else in your life. So it's important to have that. But how much better it is that when you wake up in the morning, you engage the Lord. Throughout the day, you're engaging the Lord. When you have a time away from your daily routine, you engage the Lord. As short as it might be, and before you go to sleep at night, you are thinking and praying and communing with the Lord as you drift off in the never-never land. That's a wonderful experience. See if that might help you. And that's part of being devoted to prayer. Let's look at what else prayer will do to impact your world. So it starts with our devotion with the Lord, our intimacy with God. Prayer that is alert. Here it says, keeping alert in it. And that it refers back in the context to prayer. Well, that word alert there is a word that also is translated in many of your translations, the word vigilant. It's kind of a military term, maybe vigilant. It's like someone who might be um, a soldier that's on sentry duty. The rest of the soldiers are now, they're resting because they need to get strong for the next day. But the other sentry duty is to watch out to see if there's anyone coming. So they're to be vigilant. Now, you might read the word vigilant, as some people might, that vigilant just means that you're awake. I don't believe it merely means that you're awake. I believe the word vigilant in scripture clearly teaches from the original language that it means that you are more than awake. You are completely alert and aware and focused. If you want to write that in your margin, I'm fully awake, I'm focused, I'm alert. So as you look at these things, you would see where that might be. Now I thought the scripture would be nice to see if there's an example. And there is an example all of us have seen so many times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.